welcome to CityWare podcast. And today we are going to be focusing on the power of female networks and how female networks can really propel gender diversity forward. I'm Margarita Kirakosian, Deputy Editor at CityWire Selector, and joining me today is a fabulous panel, um, is Dr. Nisha Long, Head of ESG and Cross-Border Investment Research at CityWire. We also have Deborah Gilshin, founder of 100% Club, Manuela Frolik, um, who is co-founder of Fonds Frauen, a German female network, and uh, also Susan Bollengartner, head of fund manager uh, selection at Danske Bank and a member of Cleaner Capital, a network dedicated to female professionals in finance in the Nordics. And last but not the least, Claudius Tangelini, who is a chairwoman of uh, Cleaner Capital, but also head of external uh, managers at AP3. Thank you everyone very much for joining us today. One of the things that shone through when we looked at our Gender Diversity Awards at CityWire is how many of uh, the companies, asset managers specifically, that submitted their answers actually referred to external networks uh, for women in finance and how much those help them to uh, bring their diversity efforts to another level. So what I wanted to discuss with you today, because you all represent a female network for financial professionals. I wanted to focus on what it actually means to you, why it is important aside from in-house efforts and personally how you benefited or helped somebody else uh, through such a network. I don't know, I think it makes sense for Deborah to get started on this. Um, and yes, please and welcome to the conversation. Thanks, Margarita, and thank you for the invitation to um, contribute to this debate. So um, I set up the 100% Club um, in 2011, so it's 10 years old this year. Um, and I set it up because I wanted a network that worked for me and I wanted to encourage other women to network and giving them access to networks uh, should be given much more prominence as we strive for a better gender balance. Um, many of the traditional forms of networking rely on stereotypical male behaviours of holding court, perceived confidence in self and viewpoint. Um, and research from EY tells us that these types of networking opportunities are actually deeply stressful for everybody. So I wanted to create a network that was um, for women um, and to encourage them to uh, to network and build their social capital. It's um, a network that is multi-sector. Uh, and I think it is, there is a difference between networks that work outside of organisations and networks uh, for uh, various uh, margin, uh, you know, underrepresented groups within organisations. Um, I, I found it easier to build a, a network for um, women, female empowerment outside of organisations, because I think sometimes internal work networks can get caught up in internal politics. Um, and organisational uh, politics as well. So uh, I think it is um, an interesting distinction uh, between um, internal networks and uh, the, the success of external networks that advocate, uh, you know, the, the power of building social capital um, and providing role models for uh, women and other underrepresented groups. 
Mm -hmm. Thank you, Deborah. Well, Manuela, I know that you are doing a lot of uh, very important work, and which is in some way similar to what Deborah is outlining here. So if you could walk us through what is that that you are doing, and more importantly, I think, uh, how that helps to female professionals in your region specifically. Yes, thank you, uh, Margarita. So Forfrown was founded in 2015, and actually our kickstart point was the 30% quota for female boards uh, in Germany. Uh, and out of our experience, uh, the three veterans of us, uh, all being in the business nearly 30 years, uh, we said we need to do something about that to support women in our industry. Um, and that's why we started with Forfrown being women in asset management. And by now, because of the demand of uh, women out there want to ne uh, network and to come together, we actually are um, expanding it more into the general finance with banking insurances uh, sponsoring us. So for us, it, very, very important is to bring these women together in events. Um, right now, the physical events are limited, as we all know. But um, the events are, are very well received. Uh, we have always have an average of 100 women there in the local countries, which is Germany, Switzerland, Austria, and Luxembourg. Um, and it's about, it's really about the meet and greet, meet your peers, meet different levels of hierarchies. So we're not limited to a certain level or like only executives. We really want to bring the whole community together to learn from each other and to help each other. And uh, we've seen some great, um, and we, I'm sure we talk about that later, some great examples where this network helped other women in their business, uh, with their career, and with other aspects of their personal life. Uh, thank you, Manuela. Uh, well, going to the Nordic, so Claudia and Susan, uh, can you please explain a little bit how your network operates, maybe how different it is from what Manuel and Deborah uh, are doing, and why it matters again to have this external help opposite to having only in-house efforts? Yeah, I can start maybe describing our network. So uh, it's Quino Capital and it's a network of over 200 women within the asset management industry in the Nordics. And it's interesting how it was founded because uh, we were just uh, talking at a lunch uh, back in 2013, a few, a few women uh, saying that we really were not seeing a network or strong connection between us, us women in, in the asset management industry. And so we started to think, to think about, but maybe we should, you know, start start a network, uh, start something for, for us. And we were not sure where to go, what to do, but, you know, the first thing that we, we, we thought it was like, let's uh, start simple and we organize an after work. And that's how we started. And the, the after work we organized, we've got, we just said, okay, we invite the women that we know. And it was so popular. Uh, women got to the after work. They were really enthusiastic. We had such a lovely evening. And then from there, the idea was born to build a network to empower women. So to build strong uh, connection between us, to share knowledge, experience, and inspire each other. And so um, maybe different from other networks, um, our network is, is really bottom-up based. So now we are a nonprofit organization from last year, from 2019, sorry. But uh, it's really created by women for women. So it's not just one person driving the network, but we get inspired from the feedback that we receive from the bottom-up and build on that. And also, um, as Manuela commented, uh, 
uh, we try to balance buy side and sell side and different ages. We want um, the network to be representative for all women and we organize events. So we partner with sponsors, but it's a non-profit organization and we want all the sessions to be a kind of educational, but mainly we want to meet. We want to meet and talk and connect and network. So maybe I will pass to Suzanne that is also often at you know, some of yeah, our yeah. events. Uh, so to comment yeah. a bit more on that. Yes, I guess I guess what I want to uh, get from Susan here is uh, how, how does it help you or maybe gave you a platform to help other female professionals in your field to kind of like pro progress forward in their careers? Can you give us any examples of like either you benefiting from it or giving a leg up to some of your female colleagues out there? Uh, well, I think that maybe I've been working for so long, so I more contribute to, to the younger ones, I guess. Uh, I'm, not, I'm thinking of that uh, a lot, how I can contribute. And, and I think, uh, as Claudia mentioned, the Clinic Capital is quite an easygoing organization. So when we get together, it's like you can talk to anyone there. It's not like you think of who's who. You always meet new people, even though we are a relatively small network, you always sort of bounce into new people and it's quite uh, exciting. And, and you also spread around if you know about new jobs being around. For instance, right now, I'm looking for two new fund analysts. So I might post that on Spino Capital as well. Um, and so it's, um, uh, I think maybe uh, I've had some, uh, you also arranged these lunches, I remember, uh, that yeah. they were sort of informal and, and we were just divided into different groups. And it's up to each group of maybe five, six women to arrange their own lunches and so on. And, and there I actually uh, managed to be on one of those uh, groups, I think last year or the year before, <laughs> maybe the year before because of Corona, right? Uh, but then it was, you know, uh, some women could bring up that they had some issues or, or how could they think in their daily work and so on. So it was a lot of hands-on, uh, actually, I would say. Uh, and that makes it also good, uh, useful in the in the day-to-day -day, uh, business, I must say, because then you have your career goals and so on. And um, personally, I've not sort of... Uh, thought that I've had that kind of uh, experience of clinical patrol and I mean I don't know if it has started but but this mentorship and stuff like that is also very good at, at uh, working with and that's also what I've heard from from the other networks here so so that's why I was also inspired to different women networks to talk together and and uh, sort of get ideas from each other so so I think that's also good I'd like to say as well, I, I, think, I think that at a systemic level, access to networks has been a real barrier for women and other marginalised groups. So I think it's really important that we acknowledge that. And uh, especially within finance, uh, which, you know, it has got a lot of work to do to, to rebuild trust and to move away from this idea that it's not diverse. So um, I think networks created for women by by women um, in any sector but especially in you know the financial services sector is so important and I also think uh, empowering each other and providing platforms mm. for relatable role models to inspire and to 
you know, address the diversity deficit that financial services and asset management faces as part of the solution to this as well. So I think those you know, more strategic pieces around, you know, some of the barriers to, to network access, as well as uh, role models, connections and um, empowerment and collaboration are all part of what we're all trying to do here as well. Mm. And also just, sorry, uh, could I just say uh, with this, uh, uh, Deborah touched on this internal or external networks. Uh, and I must say that uh, many years ago, I was part of an internal uh, women network. And then it was more like you were sort of chosen that, that you would make a career in that company. So, so it's more, I think it's quite different because it's a freer way if you have the external network too. Yes, Susan, that's definitely a very valid mm. point. It gives you more, the way it sounds, it gives you more freedom to just mm. express your concerns or maybe mm. kind of connect with peers from other companies, which I think when it comes to external networks is one of the key pieces in this puzzle, because you can be doing in-house as much as you want, but you will never cover every aspect. You will never be mm. able to kind of like see all the best practices. But if you have a platform where all the different representatives of asset managers are coming together and trying to push for it together. It's not about working against each other. It's actually pulling in the same direction. Mm. Um, I just maybe so would like to add one point there. That I think they're both very valuable, but for example, some companies are quite small. So internal networks for small companies, they, they uh, don't work as, as well as no. you know, for, for a large bank, bank where you can really have a program there. But And so that I think having an external work, it really get you in contact with other women in the finance industry and really open up your mind and make you see opportunities by just talking to other people, uh, other women that have different experience. But I think they're both valuable, but again, mm. you know, internal network are very, very hard for small companies. Uh, maybe there is no internal network for small well, companies. Yeah, so. we've been talking about this before, I think, but not as kind of like every asset management company has a kind of diversity and inclusion dedicated person, for example, which will be gathering all that intel and mm. trying to pass it on. So. For those who don't, this will be the place to come and talk and hopefully get some ideas from. So one aspect that you all are mentioning quite a lot is mentorship. So Nisha, I wanted to pass it on to you. Okay. And again, in, especially in the context of your research, might be yeah. important. No, absolutely. Because I think a lot of you just um, mentioned very you know, the important point of having this external networks, because sometimes, you know, being in internals, you can't say some things, you're afraid that you're saying the wrong thing to your manager, for example, pinpointing somebody. And I think it just gives you the freedom to, you know, speak and connect with your female peers. And as you've all mentioned, the female empowerment that you can get from um, external networks. And also, um, I think when I think of networks, I see it as meeting role models, um, and having some kind of mentorship. That's always, you know, the feeling that I've had from networks. But what does that, what part does that play in your networks? Um, how valuable can mentorship be? And I know you're all in different regions. Are there any commonalities, you know, between all of you? So if I can first go to Deborah. Um, so what kind of mentorship programs do you offer within your network? Thanks, Misha. So um, I think this is so key and actually I think informal mentorship through networks such as the one um, I run is, is really important as well as the more formal structures that you may get through your organization that you work for. Uh, so I introduced uh, an informal mentoring 
program for my members uh, last year, especially because um, everybody was um, you know, in, in lockdown. And so I wanted to ensure that even though we couldn't meet physically, uh, we were able to offer support and, and um, empowerment to, to women through other, uh, to my members through other techniques. Um, and actually what's been really interesting is people are really keen to be mentored, but they also want to mentor others. Um, and so just providing a connection uh, of the people that are interested in and trying to connect um, you know, members that I think will help each other both in being mentored and in mentoring. So it's been um, really valuable and, and, and a lot of my members have really uh, benefited from it. I think that's a very important point you've just made is helping to connect people mm -hmm. together and get that mentorship going in the first place. Emanuela, do you have something similar in the German network? Yes, absolutely. We started about five years ago. It was always one of our aims to get them get mentoring of a variety of levels uh, into our um, network. And actually, when we started, we only it was the three of us, uh, the three founders of Forfound who started being a mentor. And then we had so much demand over the years. So by now we have 18 top executive women there. And we always say like this is um. Uh, really like where you get access to these kind of C-level women you will never get if you just always look for sponsors or mentors in your own company and the value they add for different um, experience they share with their mentees. It's a, the program is a very formal process. Uh, we did it in a very structured way. So it's a 12 month progress. You have once a month, at least you meet or see or f talk yes. to your mentor. Uh, we have a um, application process for it. We have an um, evaluation uh, form afterwards. So we see that uh, how mentoring is working and that the match is always uh, perfect. Um, and um, then of course, uh, what the mentees learn. And it's, it's such an experience and such reward also to help someone. Um, and then we realize there is so many demand out there that we brought in more also junior mentees. Um, or uh, not, sorry, not mentees, mentors um, for the junior level mentees. Because if I'm, if I'm a mentor for a 21 year old starter, I'm, the, the age difference is just too high, I believe, um, to understand what they are going through. And it's really paying it forward and helping other women to um, avoid the, the, the problems and the experiences we had when we were at that age. Um, so it's, it's growing every year. Perfect. And Claudia, do you have a formalized process as well for mentorships? Uh, so we have been discussing mentorship for quite some time. We, we don't really have a formalized uh, mentorship program. Um, basically, we have a very good uh, mixture of uh, senior, middle and young uh, uh, professionals in our network. So we give the access to them to meet each other and get to know each other and talk to each other. Um, the mentorship, I think it's very important as you, you both have um, uh, talked about. At the same time, I think it's a, it's a, it's, it's a bit trickier uh, because the success of the mentorship depends how uh, you are finding your match in another person. So it is not, I think, uh, it, it, so I have heard let's say mixed feelings, uh, mixed experience about mentorship for some people, it works really, really well and they get a lot from it. From other people, if you don't really get your good match, 
it doesn't work that well. So we have been discussing how we could, could organize this, but clearly it has a value. So we have been discussing how we could organize this, but we haven't really structured you know, the mentorship as, as well as Deborah and Manuela have described. Mm. So I think we have to, some work to do on, on that. But clearly by giving access to the senior people, to our girls or you know, younger participants, um, I would say it's, it's a bit up to you to, to get in contact and contact, and contact senior women to, to, to get some kind of mentorship um, sessions from, from them. So it's more like up to each of the members. Yeah, absolutely. And um, also you mentioned, you know, how people can access your network. So it's quite interesting to know. Um, so if a female fund manager or a selector wants to approach you, join your networks, you know, what process do you have in place? Um, and how do you attract the female, you know, um, in the asset management industry to come and how do you make the sound about it, the noise about your networks? Um, Manuela, that can go to you first. Yeah. Well, we, we, we try to have a lot of noise about our network. I mean, we've been going on for, for several years. And when we started, it was initially only for Germany because we all come from Germany. We work there, we live there, although we were internationally out there and saw the Nordics as an example of French uh, networks and, and for us as a role model. And I say, okay, let's start this in Germany. It never worked that way. And then suddenly we got the demand from the other German speaking countries. So suddenly we had like demand from Austria or you need to come to Switzerland. And then I was working in Luxembourg. So I was like, okay, we need something in Luxembourg. So um, the demand was was really there. So we do a lot of noise on, on social media. So we have, of course, a LinkedIn profile and we have a website, which is now bilingual. So we made sure that we are not excluding um, any in Switzerland or Luxembourg with the international language. Um, so you can apply online as a formal application for becoming a men uh, member. Um, you can also join our newsletter and our events for free, so you don't have to be a member for that. But what I always say is like actually this the membership um, fee is something that you give for the network that you help us to support each other and it's actually not what I get out of it uh, uh, in, in that respect but rather than I want to be part of it and this is my contribution um, so um, it's, it's a simple online process you can you can start uh, and then you'll be part of several local groups on LinkedIn and you get part of all the invitations and can be at all the events Perfect. And Claudia, is it the same for you? Is it online applications that you have? Yeah, exactly. So basically, I want to say that uh, because we are a non-profit organization, um, so the membership is free to all women within the asset management industry in the Nordics. It doesn't mean that you have to be based in the Nordics, but you can also live outside of the Nordics, but basically have some business with the, with the Nordics. And so we have a website, kvignocapital.com, uh, and it's just a very simple um, application. Uh, and you get the, the login and, and through the website, uh, you get information to all our events um, and all, all you know, the newsletter and um, news around Kvignocapital. Capital. Um, it's when you are a member, you also get um, formal invitations via email to all our events. So you don't have to go into to our website and monitor every day if, if there is an event, but you, you get an email from us. But it's free to all women in the Nordics. And uh, it's not just because you are a woman, but because, you know, you, you, what we are looking for are women that want to share, want to support each other and believe that this is important. It's important to be part of the network. You want to contribute. 
and you want to make a difference and you want to help, help out other women. So, and you know, it's quite simple structure and, uh, and set free to, to, to everyone that wants to be, to join us. Perfect. And also, um, just going to you, Deborah, because I do receive your emails. And so I am a part of the 100% club with you. Um, but how do you also reach out to, you know, get attract new members? Yes, th thanks, Nisha. So um, mine has grown, grown very organically. The 100% club is, as I said, it's now 10 years old. And we started with about 35 ladies in a, in a city wine bar, um, you know, meeting and it's grown from there. And I now have over 700 members, some international. Wow. Uh, I provide quarterly newsletters, um, you know, academic research and other research on gender diversity um, that I think is interesting to my members. Uh, my network started as a women in governance and responsible investment network, um, and it's kind of flourished into a multi-sector alliance. Um, and I built a website more recently in the last couple of years. Um, it is free to join. Um, I agree with all of the, the, the reasons um, why I think membership is in, in important in terms of access to, to networks. Um, I do also do contributions to the wider industry and CityWire have been very supportive of the 100% Club. So I appreciate that public advocacy on diversity more generally. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, people can email me um, and ask to be involved. Um, but I do agree with a point around, you know, it's, it's not, it can't just be me running this. I've always said that the 100% Club is my members, you know, so it's, it, but it's been fascinating to me how much interest there is in the 100% Club, but in network networks more generally for women, uh, because there is quite a lot of criticism about them. So through my website I've tried to provide academic research into the power of networking into how women network differently why it's important uh, you know one of the UN seven um, drivers of female economic empowerment is changing business cultures um, and practices and part of that is uh, you know providing platforms for for under underrepresented groups to to you know meet and, and collect through collective forums so I'm interested in the the kind of the wider piece about the power of networks as well as uh, what we're individually doing through through the work that we're all doing with our own networks. Deborah, yeah, I was wondering actually uh, if you could follow through with this kind of like statement you made about how women network differently. Uh, so what's the difference uh, and kind of like why do you need to cater to those needs specifically? Well, so I think previously networking was it's seen as quite transactional. Um, it's, um, as I said, going back to my earlier points about, I think the traditional form of networking of working the room at the end of a conference, that kind of dreaded cocktail reception where you're supposed to go up and inter interrupt a, you know, a, a, a group of people already speaking, you know, I was brought well, I don't interrupt. Uh, but also, you know, I guess traditional, uh, what we consider traditional male behaviours, not every man has them, but traditional male behaviours of holding court, confidence and self and viewpoint. And I always find myself kind of on the periphery of those types of events. I didn't feel very comfortable and, and I found a lot of other people who didn't feel very comfortable either. So it was about challenging that and providing a, an alternative space, but also, you know, academic research, including looking at MBA students, um, tells us that 
male MBE students, when they were looking for roles and jobs, they need to be, um, they need to have quite a wide network, whereas female MBE students needed, needed that as well, but they also needed to be central to their network and to have a smaller cohort of female confidants that they could um, ask about, you know, roles, salary, you know, um, those types of areas that you're perhaps not going to ask everybody about, but that you really need a small, um, you know, set of, of female confidants. You know, I'm sure people will challenge this type of research, but I've talked to professors of networking and there's a whole science around networking as well. And, and through social media, uh, you know, that that's a part of it as well. So I think it's really interesting to begin to understand some of that um, as well as, you know, the events and what we're what what we're doing uh, through through the individual networks we've been talking about today. If I may add something to it, it's what we found in the beginning was that a lot of women were like, oh, I don't have time for this. Mm. I don't have time for networking. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll see you next time. And what we try to to make them understand is it's it's part of your of your professional development and uh, there is uh, the word work in it so the networking is part of your career both will uh, help you in your job and uh, you know on your personal development but we really had to convince the women that the networking is not like your private party area it's like <laughs> something you need to do and you need to make time for it and it will help you in your job and I think that was the 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 obstacle at the beginning to actually get them across the across that line to join in. Claudia yeah, and Susan, have you experienced anything like that? So any pushbacks either from you know the industry or maybe even kind of like difficulties getting members through? Sorry, what is the question? Uh, yeah, no, no. The question is uh, that have you experienced this kind of like? Uh, aspect of having to reach out to members and reassure them that this will do you good. You actually need this and networks actually yeah. are useful and not just kind of extra time in your calendar. So have you, have you encountered that kind of experience, let's say? I have actually, because I know a lot of women who are not part of Fini Capital and, and, you know, I go like, why? It's just to join. You don't commit to anything, really. It's up to yourself then how much you sort of uh, enjoy the network or not so so uh, sometimes i'm successful and people enter and sometimes they are thinking that way i don't have time for that right now i will do it later or something uh, but otherwise i think uh, that the word is sort of spreading because if you say oh there is this event and oh and you talk about it uh, then then the ones who are not members they might become members at that stage i think so so there might be that there has to be a happening uh, for you to to start your membership, so to speak. I don't know if Claudia, if you have another view, because it's yeah, not no, like no. we're out marketing it <laughs> in that sense. So, yeah, I have a couple of comments. So, I think as Susanna is saying, we do not expect women to always attend. Uh, is not a must attend. Uh, you attend when you can. And what mm. we do, for example, is that uh, lunch seminars are very popular because. Everybody has to have lunch mm. and uh, at lunch you are at work. But I understand that young women, maybe they have small kids and they cannot mm. stay for after work or it's hard for them to be at a breakfast seminar because they have to leave the kids, you know, at school. So in a sense, we try to kind of be, be flexible and try to 
um, organize more events at lunchtime and those are extremely popular and they are very well attended. At the same time, I think the success of Quino Capital is that we do not expect women to mm. always attend. It's not a problem if you come once a year or if you come 10 times a year, it's really up to you. And you have to attend if you find that valuable for you. You cannot impose that. Mm. Um, and I think the, the fact that it's very relaxing environment that you, you attend when you want and when you will, and then th that makes it also quite popular actually. So it attracts more women. Um, so that was I, a bit of a comment. Yeah, and also Claudia, maybe you can elaborate because I told uh, the others about <laughs> when you tried out this, when you jumped around in different rooms um, with the, now with the virtual <laughs> meetings. The aim is to meet physically, right? So the COVID has really slowed down our, our activity and uh, we had a very healthy pipeline of events uh, last year that we, we at the beginning postponed like everybody else. But then after the summer, we, we thought, no, we need to do something. So we have organized a few virtual exam, um, events, but very selective because we understand that people are on Teams or Zoom, whatever, all day long. So we don't, the very few events that we want to organize has to have to be interest, interesting and they have to attract a lot of women. Um, and so we did, for example, an after work at Christmas time, it was just an hour uh, where we did a kind of speed chatting where uh, it was just really, you know, to talk a bit between um, the people present in the virtual e example. And each of us had five minutes to talk with a random person that was select from, from the group. And that was quite fun because sometimes mm. when you do the events, you, you talk to just maybe one or two people. But in this way, after five minutes, you change the other person. Person. So you get to meet quite a lot of uh, women in a very short uh, period of time. That was quite fun. We got good uh, mm. feedback on that. So we try mm. to be creative as well yeah. and di try different things. Some, some things work better. Some things work really nice and some they don't work. So we, we just, you know, test them. Uh, mm. And uh, based on that, we, we build on the network. Mm. Yeah, I'd see that as something is quite positive that I could bring somebody's confidence levels up by being you know out of their comfort zone and talking to people that they wouldn't usually talk to mm. if they were in a room and had to walk up to somebody mm. so somebody who's left co less confident maybe you know that I could see that really good potential benefit of having mm. um so something good has come out of the covid crisis you know that you can yeah. network with more people <laughs> over zoom in all countries yeah. as we can now with all of you as well yeah, so, yeah. And maybe another comment that I can do is that uh, we have been quite, um, in a sense, and we would try to develop that more. We are trying to work a lot with recruiters to make them present that, you know, there is a quite large group of women from the Nordic with talent. So, you know, post in our website and uh, think about us because you, you get a lot of good women in our uh, network. And um, another thing that has happened that I have had a lot of good, we have had a lot of, as, as the board has had a very good feedback from different meetings and different, and the fact that we build this network is, is that actually a few women that have attended a few sessions, um, you know, um, uh, by some role models that they had, they have been actually inspired to change their job after, you know, <laughs> a few months of thinking and, you know, they have actually found the courage to, to say, no, now I have to change because, you know, I've got inspired by this person or talking to this other woman. And the network has also created opportunity because you, you build, you know, you 
get to know people, you get to know about other jobs, you get to know about other possibilities. So I ha we have had a few cases that have really thanked us for, for that. Um, some couple, like, uh, you know, one person even uh, uh, left the company to start up his own business, her own uh -huh. business. So that, that is really encouraging. That's uh, the goal that we have to give women uh, courage and, you know, be uh, more kind of strong and uh, build that kind of relationship that is needed for, for the next step in, the, in their career. Mm -hmm. well, I think this is all so much about capturing the value of what networks bring to, mm -hmm. for, for women and for, for everybody. Um, I'm doing some work anecdotally to try and gather uh, evidence from my members about, you know, maybe connections that they've made, that they've made an, an event that they then go on and follow up on. Because going back to Manuela's point, uh, one of the reasons why, again, why I set up the 100% Club was because I, I had a light bulb moment at a conference where I realised that I had to become more strategic about this and more uh, deliberate in, you know, networking because, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's so important for career advancement and personal development. But also, I'm also really keen to demonstrate the value of a gender-based network as a powerful force for change. And I think podcasts like this really demonstrate the value that that they bring uh, I guess to counterbalance some of the criticisms that we we hear of it's you know the champagne club and uh, and whatever else actually you know providing opportunities is is so important um, and you know that I guess the growth of all of our networks demonstrates uh, the, the value that it is bringing and the appetite that women have and actually what's been interesting for me is a lot of my um, members that are perhaps at the later stages of their careers um, were perhaps a little bit skeptical about the value of some of my events um, and came along and were really amazed at what they were learning but also they, they said to me like I wish I'd known much earlier in my career how important this was and so mm -hmm. I wanted to share that with younger women as well uh, because I think we all have have a responsibility to, to help each other here as well. Thank you, Deborah and Claudia, and yeah. everyone really yes. for this. Uh, and <laughs> one interesting aspect, so when I'm thinking about what you've just mentioned about, well, given opportunities to women, right? Uh, so the asset managers with the best practices when it comes to gender representation, they are trying to include at least one female candidate in the pool, well, ideally more than that. And it seems mm. to me that, you know, these external networks is one way for recruiters to actually see here they are, here there are people who are interested in those jobs and, and you can reach out and uh, have them at least in the shortlist and you know see what happens next. Uh, one thing that also I get questions about sometimes is how do we get men involved? And sometimes it's not just uh, the problem of them not willing to join, some of them are just sometimes afraid of being patronizing or just not quite fitting in or again having loads of women in the room and then how do they fit into this? So uh, I don't know, what are your thoughts on this? How do we kind of like bring our male allies into the conversation and take it forward? So I don't know, Manuela, if you want to start with that. 
Sure. Male ambassadors are really, really important for our mission uh, and to to make it a balanced world uh, in the finance. So what we always do is we invite our sponsors. So we have now about 43 corporate sponsors working with us. So uh, very often the decision makers are male or the CEOs or the, the C-level. So we always invite them to either speak or open up any of our conferences and to be part of it. Um, and they feel quite um, special always when they're there. At our annual events, we always have a number of about 10 um, male attendees. Uh, they like uh, the way we, we um, um, do organize our conferences. So they are then multipliers out there and uh, ambassadors and, and kind of uh, promote our network to their uh, employers and to their companies. Um, and uh, when we do our own panels, we very often try to also have men involved talking about these topics like unconscious bias or what, I mean, we've, we've had so many, many topics in our different uh, events. We, we run about 20 plus a year normally, not now with virtual, but we always try to get a, a male angle as well in there. Um, so other men are not feeling left out or they are encouraged to join us. And uh, we've made some, some very, very good um, um, alignments there, um, helping us to grow. And do, can you give an example of any speakers you had lately, like male speakers at those events? Well, when we had um, um, about ESG or um, the conference last year, the conference we had the head of ESG from Deka in there, which is a, um, the head of the uh, Ingo Speich um, who was presenting. Um, when we had our event at Credit Suisse in Switzerland, the the CEO um, was um, starting um, the event and, and welcoming us. Um, we had um, an event in Luxembourg with RBC, where the back then CEO was very very pushy to actually bring this event to them um so um yeah mm -hmm. yeah thank you manuela and uh claudia and susan uh, i know that especially the fund selection community in the nordics is quite female dominated so again how can we get men involved and like are you doing anything in that regard at the moment um, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with Manuel, and we are discussing that in our network as well, uh, how to, uh, I, I think it's very important to include men. I think it's important to have just women-only events, but some events you have to include men because it's important to have their support. And especially, I mean, men that, you know, support women, <laughs> uh, that, you know, kind of allies to women and really can sponsor women in their career and make them progress. And we have also had some events uh, with men involved. Um, we had um, in 2019, in October, we had our very first uh, gala dinner and we invited high-profile uh, male speakers actually from uh, the top sponsors that we we had and you know I, I noticed how at the beginning as you said they were kind of almost intimidating to walk into a room with 50 women or more but then they actually really enjoyed the evening and they thought it was it was great and for us it was absolutely normal to listen to them and they were all you know kind of uh, um, spe speaking and supporting women diverse, diverse women, um, gender diversity by general diversity. So I, it is very important to have men uh, pushing forward diversity agenda at all levels within an organization together with women. So definitely. And if we're I discussing may... how to integrate more and more and how we could uh, find a balance in our network. 
I would like to add one name uh, I'm just, I was just thinking about uh, when we started last year or the year before, we actually started to have some awards where we um, would award the company of the year, role model of the year and the woman of the year. And the role model of the year could be both male or female. And we had even a male uh, runners up to that award, which was Alexander Leisten from Fidelity in Germany. Um, he's a, a long-term ambassador from, for our community. And he had a lot of votes in that. So he was a runners up um, um, for that. And that showed, uh, he was so proud. He was like, when he like received the award, it was the physical event. And mm. that, that showed so many other men that it's, it's okay to be up there. And actually he was a great role model for others then to follow. So the next year we actually received more, um, yeah, um, more male candidates for that uh, role model award. Mm. That sounds great. And uh, Deborah, I don't know if you kind of like encountered any kind of like interest maybe from uh, men in finance to support your initiatives or again, is there maybe a point in doing mentorship that involves kind of high profile men as well? So I found that um, I wanted a network that was for women and I wanted mm -hmm. to provide a space for women to share their stories and to inspire others and to provide female role models. I found that I had enough male role models and that I had um, enough opportunities to, to network with, you know, with both, with both, with, with both genders. So um, I actually, it's quite kind of positive affirmation through the 100% Club of a platform, a collective um, platform for women to hear from women. However, I've always had very supportive um, male bosses who, you know, encouraged me to develop this because I, I you know, worked for the Railways Pension Fund and then I worked for Aberdeen Sound and Investments uh, before I set up my own advisory business around the 100% Club. So uh, I, it, they've always been very supportive and many other men in the industry have been very supportive because they recognise why this is needed. Um, and I'm not saying you only build social capital and network with other women, but I think until we solve some of the you know, deeply entrenched diversity challenges that our industry has, I think we have to be quite strategic about what some of the solutions are as well. So um, yeah, it's, I think all of it works, um, but I've always had support um, in terms of what I was trying to do through the 100% Club. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. And well, to finish on kind of like a forward looking note, so to say, um, we touched upon COVID a little bit because obviously networking is so dependent on this personal touch, personal contact. And we are in the situation which hopefully will get resolved at some point in the near future. But again, what did we learn firstly uh, from COVID for female networking and what we can take forward? And secondly, whilst we can't see each other face to face, what is there to do? Uh, before we meet each other face to face again. So I don't know if Manuela, you would like to start on this. Okay. <laughs> so well, the the challenge is as Claudia and uh, already mentioned earlier, it's really that to get people additionally on any of the Zoom or the virtual events. Um, so I think it's um, at the moment, unfortunately, less is a bit more because everybody is like really drawn up in, in all these things. Um, we had some good feedback on our annual event where we were in a studio. So it was like a condensed two hours where people could chat and, and they actually reached out and we got the feedback afterwards. So they because everybody could see who was in the, the, the meeting, um, they would reach out afterwards. 
um, I think we desperately need to to meet physically again. And I really hope on 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 all the governments and rules around that we can do that uh, very soon. Uh, there's a really urge for that. Um, but what we've learned is that women, um, again, and we did also some research and articles about that, is they suffered even more with their not even double workload, but triple of even more workload with the homeschooling and the home office and uh, homework and all that additional stuff. And um, so I think it was um, good if you could reach out to people you've met through the network years before or earlier to get some support, some mental support, some motivation. And um, yeah, I've been called quite often <laughs> for this kind of support. And I also do this. So it's like um, really that community, once you've met in person and you start to reach out on a regular basis, you're there to help and to support and back up each other. And I think that's a great learning out of Corona or, 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 or the lockdowns that, um, women are now really reaching out to each other and they're really understanding that you can help someone and you don't have to be sh too shy to ask. Just get out there, just ask for uh, suggestions on your job or whatever you need. And and so I've done a lot this year, <laughs> but it, it was uh, quite uh, um, um, refreshing for me and motivating as well to help others. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And Claudia, you mentioned that being creative and innovative, that's something that was born out of this absolutely bizarre situation. So again, have you maybe heard, uh, just like Manuela, members reaching out a bit more to you, like maybe last year, and especially when mental health is concerned, especially when we're talking about stress related to house duties. So anything that you can share with us on that? Um, no, really. we haven't uh, really had members reaching out, you know, just due to COVID stress or mm -hmm. no. Um, the like the board, the Quino Capital Board, has met regularly, so we we keep pushing forward our agenda. But as Manuela said, we really desperately need to meet. Uh, that's the purpose of the network, and I think uh, so. We we aim to to run a physical event as soon as you know uh, COVID let us meet again and in the meantime we are gonna keep our virtual event uh, um, at very selective levels but on Monday for International Women's Day we have clearly an event um, but I think uh, so we we have been sending out newsletter so that you know updates uh, via email so the members know that we are working on it, but clearly everybody also know that uh, safety and health comes first. Uh, and so uh, that is quite acceptable by everyone uh, that unfortunately now it's, uh, the, the activity is reduced. I think also we have had a little bit of different situation as I'm working with the Nordics now. Uh, I have colleagues who have had this homeschooling and such, but in Sweden, we have been lucky to have the children in school all the time so of course that makes a difference if you have like two children running around jumping <laughs> or dogs or cats or whatever so so i mean you get more into people's homes and and in one sense that is quite nice actually both men and women you you sort of in one way even though it's virtual you get to know each other better because you see your <laughs> what your home looks like here and so on so so <laughs> i think we have different kind of challenges but uh, for instance in denmark i know that it was very tough when when the 
children were home and I had uh, some colleagues in the bank who actually struggled a bit. And also with the, all the homework, it's not only to, to keep them occupied with, with the ordinary schoolwork, but also homework and so on. So, but then I, I was thinking of um, two things on, on mentorship. I'm always like this, thinking of new ideas and so on. And uh, I was thinking of one as maybe I've been also been in that role a little bit like maybe you touch on Manuela, but informal mentoring, or if you could call it, because I've been approached sometimes and maybe had a couple of meetings uh, with a woman uh, and that might be from Pina Capital. I don't always know because it's not like, okay, where did you come from? Check. <laughs> it's more like you are open-minded and start talking. And, and I think I've helped a couple to, to sort of proceed and get new jobs and, and sometimes also be in references for them, even though I haven't worked closely to them, but I could be a reference, like a woman reference or, or career reference or whatever. And then I have the other thought on open mentorships. I don't know how open your um, official mentorships are. Is that something that can be shared if you have a successful mentorship situation that, that could inspire our others or is it uh, how does that work? Both to Manuela and Deborah, maybe, question. Can I start, Deborah? Yeah, so yeah. mine is more yeah. informal, I think, than, than Manuela's program. Yeah. Um, so I basically just, I just connect people. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't then take anything more to do with it because I just wanted no. to create the relationship. But mm. it's an interesting point um, mm. around, around that, but yeah. That's why that's the approach to, to get sort of ideas. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we share the successes in our in our events. Mm. Or we recently had a virtual talk on Meet the Mentors. So mm. they were just talking about their business and their experience and their history. Mm. And um, so, um, of course, everything that happens between the mentor and the mentee is um, 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 confidential and this kind of stuff. Um, so we make sure that we follow these rules. But uh, we will always um, report about it and 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 talk about it in our events anyway. So uh, mm. people will know that how this works. And we have quite a few also consultants uh, in our um, network. So women, they used to work in the industry, but then decided they wanna help others. So mm. there's, there's a fine line between mentoring and then consulting. Um, mm. And then some, very often we actually, they find out well, I need to do something and actually this is what I need. So we've, we've done a, a mm. few of these kind of matches. So women yeah, yeah. understand that they are, that they have to ask about help and they, mm. they, they want to do that to get further in their career. But then an official coaching is much better than, of course, a, a, a only a mentoring. I was wondering as well, with you being based in different countries, so is there anything you wanted to ask each other about the practices kind of like across Europe that you are mm. curious about, or maybe you would like to highlight that are specific to your region that might be maybe taken on and kind of like transcended into other areas? So I don't know, is there anything that you can think of that would be useful? I think from my perspective, this has been really empowering for me because it's great to hear the commonalities of approach and a lot a lot of common feedback from members about what they value from what we're all doing uh, so because a lot of this is you know voluntary to some extent and and you want to I want to you know give something back I think we all you know need to, to help the financial services industry address some of this so 
this has been just really interesting to me to understand um, and I guess to endorse that what I'm doing is is, is right as well so that's been that, that's the benefit I've got from this conversation. Mm -hmm. Thank you. What about uh, Manuela? Well, we've always looked at the Nordics as a role model for more women in asset management, because as far as I remember from my career, there were always more women out there and it's a different um, um, regulatory and, and, and educational uh, background behind it. So it's a different social aspect in the Nordics with um, paternity leave and all this kind of stuff. So we always look at the Nordic as our, this is where we want to be kind of, mm. but also living in the UK for 13 years, I always had it, felt it, it was completely different and more open. Like in Germany, the, the female fund managers would know of each other, but they would never meet. So we had the first lunch meeting where we like, oh my God, they know of each other but they've never spoken whereas in London you, you they all go out you know for lunch and dinners with each other and and bounce back ideas so I think we've learned from living in, in abroad from other countries to bring that into the very German way of not networking and to open that up a bit more and make it a bit more international so mm -hmm. Well, Claudia and Susan, I know it might be a bit <laughs> intimidating carrying the flag no. for, for Europe. So I don't know, again, uh, would you agree that maybe there is like something is ahead of the curve in the Nordics? No, I think it's a clarity? Yeah, a comment on the fact that the Nordics are considered to be more advanced. Um, I think it's more like a reputation than reality, actually. <laughs> Clearly, the Nordics, we do have uh, long paternity leave and long maternity leave, a bit more equality at home, and we have uh, a strong infrastructure system with daycare and all of that, and that helps to get the women back to work. But when I speak with a lot of uh, middle, major, middle uh, management women and top women, I think we have the same problems as uh, in the rest of Europe. There are absolutely too few women in uh, middle management and top management. Mm -hmm. There is a glass ceiling. A and so I think probably we, are, we could be slightly more <laughs> advanced than you know, the rest of Europe because of certain infrastructure. But... I think we have quite a lot of com in common with other countries, unfortunately, and there is a lot of work to do um, in the Nordics as well to break the glass ceiling and to get more women on board, more, more, more women uh, at the management level, at the board level, and more participation and, you know, um, kind of uh, um, move forward a few steps. So, yeah. I don't know if Suzanne has a different... Uh, uh, I totally that. agree with you. And now being in a, <laughs> a more Nordic bank, I can say that it is uh, maybe a little bit more ahead in Sweden uh, if I should pick one country. But um, otherwise, I totally agree. I, I think it's a little bit of an image that we live with. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes you can also argue that a long maternity leave might even be an obstacle because do you know that oh my god this woman will be out of office one and a half years or something so so it could work both ways sometimes uh, but uh, but i think coming back to having equal uh, terms or or uh, if, uh, being able to to have the same kind of jobs and and there i think the the biggest move is actually women helping each other because well Years back, it was more a challenge between women. And that was so stupid because <laughs> there's so few women. And, and uh, now we are maybe more talking to each other and, and uh, trusting 
to be able to talk to each other. It's not like we are all of us uh, looking for the exactly the same job. I mean, there are enough mm-hmm. jobs out there. So I think that's also more sharing these days. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much. I hope uh, this is not our last conversation and definitely a lot of takeaways from it. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us today. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank, thank you. you.